Thank you. Thank you. How's everybody today? Awesome. A lot going on here at Emerge. Super excited about this season. And today is my son's birthday. Elijah, my oldest son, is getting older. It's his birthday, so make sure on the way out you tell him happy birthday. We celebrated him yesterday. Probably celebrate some more today. Everybody's doing all right? Man, I have been so ready this week to share this message with you. Um, And I do want to say I sense the Lord in this place today. Always do, but today something is special. It's different. We're in this series right now called Different. And if you hadn't, hadn't been a part, you can go to our YouTube channel, check some things out. This morning I want to go to the Old Testament, the book of Numbers. Not the most favorite book of the Bible to pull open. Um, come on. We all like the book of Psalms. Am I right? Love Psalms. Jump over to the New Testament. The red letters. Right? Got to go with the red letters. Uh, but there's some good stuff in the Old Testament as well. There's some stuff in some of those books, though, that just make you wonder what's going on here. I know. Numbers chapter 14. I'm going to share some scripture with you, and then we'll back up a little bit, give you the context so that we can talk about it. Numbers 14, verse 17, it says, Now may the Lord's strength be displayed, just as you have declared. The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love, and forgiving sin and rebellion. Somebody say amen. Come on. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished, He punishes the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. In accordance with your great love, forgive the sin of these people just as you have pardoned them from the time they left Egypt until now. That was Moses speaking, by the way. Then the Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. Today I want to talk about a different spirit, a different spirit. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for everyone gathered here in person, everyone online. Thank you, Lord, that we can come here and just worship you. Thank you, Lord, that you inhabit those praises and you fill this place, you fill our hearts. And I pray, Father, right now that your Holy Spirit would open our ears to hear what you want to say to your church today. I pray, Father, that we would listen beyond our reason and get to revelation of what you want to impart into our lives. And God, I just ask you to simply use me to be a mouthpiece, to say what you want to say. So I ask for your help in delivering this message today. In Jesus' name, amen. 
remember when I was a kid visiting my grandparents, and my grandparents lived on one of these main highways, and um, they loved to sit on their front porch and either drink coffee or drink sweet tea. And uh, I loved going over there to sit with my grandma and my grandpa and listen to the stories. And uh, when I was a little kid, they told me if I drank coffee, it would put hair on my chest. And so I was, you know, when you're young and growing up to be a man, you want some hair on your chest. And so I drank a lot of coffee. It didn't work early on, but later on it caught up with me. Um, but I love sweet tea, man. Love it, love it. And I remember one day sitting out there with my grandpa, and these two guys were walking on the road. And uh, he said, you see those two boys? Like, yes, sir. They're full of the devil. <laughs> now, I knew those two guys. And, uh, yep, they were full of the devil. I mean, they were in trouble over and over and over. I remember one time in the grocery store at my my grandma, we were at Payless. Payless. You don't know about Payless. We were at Payless in Gonzales. And we were in the produce section, and my grandma saw this lady that she knew. And uh, I'm not going to say that word, but she said, uh, you see that lady? That's nothing but a Jezebel. <laughs> yeah. And you're probably like, man, your grandparents are harsh. Well, you know, sometimes they call it as it is. And the thing that I wondered is how did they know this about these people? Like, how do you look at somebody and just conclude that ain't nothing but a Jezebel? You know what I'm saying? And I would not encourage you to do that at work this week. Like, some of y'all be at work and see somebody like that old Jezebel right there. And, and, and it's funny, the vocabulary that my grandparents would use to describe different people. And, uh, but you've encountered someone before, and you just knew, hmm, there's something about them. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You just knew there's something about that old guy right there. I don't know quite what it is, but I think I'm going to stay back. I'm going to stay away from them. And then there's other people that you see, and you're just like, man, there's just something about them. I don't know what it is, but I want to be their friend. I want to be around them. You look in Numbers chapter 14. Let me give you some setting here. The people are complaining to Moses. Now, these are the people that Moses has led out of Egypt. Y'all remember that, that, that show, The Prince of Egypt? Moses is the star of the show. He's leading the children of Israel who is held captive in slavery in Egypt. He's leading them out of Egypt, and they're crossing through the Red Sea, and they're headed to the Promised Land. I mean, this is one of the most epic stories, and Moses is one of the most epic leaders. And so a lot of miracles are happening. The, the Red Sea parts, and all of the children of Israel are walking through the middle of the Red Sea on dry ground. God is performing miracles day after day after day after day. The Lord is literally leading them through this entire wilderness, and it's a pillar of fire that is moving, leading them through the wilderness at night, and it's a cloud. It's like a big tornado that's leading them through the day. God is providing food for them. Birds are coming to feed them. Manna is falling from heaven. Water is coming from rocks. I mean, listen, if you want to get a glimpse of what God can do, go read about what God was doing when he was leading them out of Egypt, and you would just assume that 
all of these people are enthralled with God. Like, God, you are the best. Everything we run into, you just make it happen. Red Sea, no problem. Open it up, boys. Like, seriously. No food? Okay, we're going to make bread just drop from heaven. Just falling from heaven. Oh, you want meat? I'll bring some birds. It's open season. It's dove season. And they are just eating. Oh, no rock? Don't worry because I can make water come from a rock. And you would just think these people are like, God, you are the best. You are awesome. But they didn't. It's amazing how much we want a miracle to happen But just because you get a miracle doesn't mean that that's going to make you so in love with Jesus. We read through the Bible miracle after miracle after miracle, which displays God's power. But just because you've seen God's power displayed doesn't necessarily mean that something in you hasn't changed yet. And so the Lord brought this is this is their complaint. This is what they begin to say. The Lord has brought us out of Egypt into this wilderness because he just wants us to die. That's what he did. He went through all of that stuff, all those miracles. He was tricking us. He brought us out here to die. And what was once like this incredible deliverance moment, like of all time, the most incredible deliverance moment has now turned into God just wants us to die. That's a bad state to be in. And why would these people go from this state of just thanking the Lord at first for what he has done? Like, can you imagine making it across the Red Sea? You get on the other side, and then all these Egyptian soldiers are trying to come and get you back to take you back into captivity. And the Lord just like folded the sea back over them and takes them out. You're on the other side, like celebrating. Oh, we got you. We got you. What you want, son? You know, everybody's just fired up and they're high-fiving and everybody's feeling good about it. Like, look what the Lord has done. He has delivered us. And here we are not long after. I just want to die. Like, let's go back. I don't know how we're going to get across the Red Sea. I don't know. We'll make a boat. I don't know. We're going back. Let's just go back. Let's just die. How do you go from that extreme of like, God is so good to God, why do I feel like you're trying to take me out? And so what they do, they begin to put together a plot to find a new leader that would take them back. Now, this is dangerous because we know now, like, if you're going to mess with some of these folks in the Bible, Moses isn't one that you want to mess with. You know what I'm saying? Because Moses, Moses' name made it to the New Testament. Not all of them get their name brought to the New Testament, but Moses got his name in the New Testament too. And so he's pretty big. Like, he's, he's a big deal. And here they are. They're not seeing him as a big deal. They're thinking, we've got to find someone else that's going to lead us the way that we, we really, really, really want to go. And I just want to say this right here. Just because that's the way that you want to go, that doesn't mean that's the way God wants you to go. And so Moses and Aaron, who were the top two leaders of this whole entire group, they fell before their face. They fell on their face before the people just pleading with them, don't do this, you're about to mess up, you're about to get in trouble here. But then there's this guy named Caleb, he and his buddy Joshua, and they were two of the 12 guys that went to spy out the promised land. 
And uh, so when they come back, of these 12, 10 of them are spreading this word through the camp saying, we can't do this. This is a setup. We're going to die. These people are going to take us captive. We should not do this. It is beautiful. It's got all the things we always wanted. All the promises of God are in there. But y'all listen to me. This is not a good idea. And Joshua and Caleb are like, let's go do it. We can go take this thing. We can take down these giants. We can take this land and truly walk in what God has promised us. But the other 10 were like, we can't do this. And they're spreading this throughout the camp. And the people got so angry with Caleb and with Joshua that they wanted to stone them. Like, this, this is intensified. Can you, like, are we talking about the same people here? Come through the Red Sea. We're celebrating because the Lord has given us the victory. And now I'm going to throw a rock at you if you say we can go take this land. Again, you would think the miracles that they have seen would have been enough to change their life. But it didn't. It didn't change their life. And so the Lord appears to Moses. And you can go back and read Numbers chapter 14. The Lord appears to Moses and he says this, why are these people treating me like this after all I have done? I've been making a way. I've been setting, I mean, I've been working. Why won't they believe me? After all that we've done, all I've done for them, why won't they believe me? And watch this. You can read it in Numbers 14. You know the Lord has had enough when he says something like this. He says, basically, let's just wipe them out and start over, me and you. I'm telling you, the Old Testament's intense, y'all. It is. Some of you, you ain't ready for that. But the Lord literally tells Moses, let's destroy them all. We'll start over, you and me. But Moses objected. And as you hear this, I want you to think about prayer a little bit, okay? Because Moses objected, and he says, Lord, if you do that, the people that you delivered them from, the Egyptians... They'll think you didn't fulfill your promise. That's a bold prayer, my friends, where you, you, you start having conversations with the Lord like, like, like you got the right to have a conversation with the Lord. And believe it or not, you do because of the blood of Jesus. You do. You can come with full confidence. Now, don't be disrespectful because the Lord... He brought you in. He can take you out. Fear of the Lord is good to remember whenever you have those conversations. But you look at what Moses is telling him. He's like, Lord, if you, if you do this, like if you wipe them all out, all that power you displayed, they'll just think you couldn't keep your promise. So Moses, he pleads with the Lord for their forgiveness. And the Lord agrees to forgive them because he is slow in anger and rich in love, and he wants to forgive. Can I hear an amen? But then he says, all of them that saw the miracle of deliverance but turned against me, they won't get to enter the promised land. He said, I'll forgive them, but this is as far as they go. They're no longer in slavery, but they're stuck. Come on, I hope you're hearing this the right way today. 
You can have deliverance. God can set you free, but that doesn't mean you have advancement. And this is where it gets real because you're going to find yourself potentially in the place where you have experienced God's presence and his goodness and he has saved your life. And it is awesome that God has saved your life. But why are we still stuck right here? Why am I still stuck with this thing that has always been there? Why am I still stuck with this attitude? Still stuck with this temper? Still stuck with this habit? Still stuck with this addiction? Still stuck with that anxiety? Still stuck with that stress? I thought God was setting us free, but I find myself stuck in this wilderness. I've been set free from who I used to be, but I'm stuck. Feels like where I've always been. They were set free by the Lord, but they did not want to continue to follow the Lord. They didn't continue to follow him. And so now they're coming up with a new strategy because they didn't like the way that they were being led. So let's come up with a new strategy because maybe there's a better way. And listen, I have to tell you, as human beings, man, we do this a lot. You remember Jesus in the garden before he goes to die on the cross? Remember that prayer he prayed? Lord, if there is another way, take this cup from me. That's the man side of him. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That's the God side of him. And we got both. Because there's the side of us that's like, God, it would be so much better if we did it this way. Like, can't you just transport us into the promised land? Like, why do we got to walk through the wilderness to get there? Like, why do we have to drive on the interstate to get on vacation? Am I right? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And if you've ever been the driver in that situation, you have a whole bunch of ideas of what you can do. It's like, Mo- like God's telling Moses, let's wipe them out and start over. I'm going to wipe you all out. All of you, I'm going to wipe you out. Let's dig a little deeper here. God had delivered them from slavery in Egypt. And they were being mistreated by these slave masters, okay? But God sends Moses to come to deliver them, to lead them out of this into the promised land. But now they're in the desert, and they're on their way. And they begin to have the same issues with Moses that they had with their masters. Same issues are rising up in them all over again, even though that is not the place they're in anymore. They're no longer in slavery. They're free from that. They're in the wilderness. They're en route to the promised land. And now some of those same emotions, some of those same feelings, some of those same opinions, some of those same ideas are rising up against the very person that God used to deliver them and lead them to the promised land. They thought Moses had a strategy problem. That Moses doesn't know what he's doing, but in reality, they had a spirit problem. This is what was going on here. They thought Moses' strategy was not good, and this is not going to work. And this is what's crazy. It was a majority of them, and you and I have been trained to think that a majority rules. 
And I have to tell you that God doesn't work always through majority. He doesn't always work through majority. And so there's all these people that are ganging up together and they're trying to come up with a new strategy. And I want you to think back to last week how we talked about how experiences can shape our perspectives. And their perspective of Moses was influenced by their perspective from the experience with these masters. And so now they have a view of a leader that God was using to deliver them as the same experience, the same view of the person that was holding them in slavery. But they're no longer in slavery. They're walking in freedom, but they're just not where they're going to be yet, but they're on their way. But now they start seeing Moses just like they saw the masters. And so now all they can see is problems. And so their solution was, let's get another leader. Think about our solutions. I'll just get another job. I'll just get another spouse. I'll just get a new pastor. I'll go find a new friend. You, you do you. I'll go find a new friend. I'm just trying to say it the way we would say it in those settings. We think that's the strategy, but what if that's actually the cycle? What if that is actually how we are operating over and over? And so we walk into a new thing, and at first it's great. We're praising the Lord, but after a while, we ain't praising the Lord anymore. We're asking the Lord all over again for deliverance. Right? And the reason I want to talk about this is because I know, I know people that aren't walking in what God has for them because of these cycles that they're stuck in. And I just want to, I want to help you to advance, to, 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 to keep going. Even when it's hard, keep going even when there's a lot of I don't knows and keep going even when it's been a little while since I've since I felt it to keep going even when when other people are like, oh, that ain't working. You should try something else to keep going. I'm not talking to anybody. And so Numbers 14, 24 is the verse that has grabbed me. And this was the verse that inspired this series. I have to be honest with you. This was the verse right here. Numbers 14, 24, it says, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. And Caleb was recognized for having a different spirit, a different spirit. And that just grabbed my attention. He had a different attitude. He had a different perspective. He had a different kind of faith. It was different than the majority. It was different, so he gets to advance into the promised land, and he does it, and so does Joshua. Joshua becomes the successor to Moses, and Joshua takes them into the promised land, and it's so exciting when you look at it from the perspective of Joshua and Caleb. It's like, boom, baby, let's go. Let's do this, but when you look at all the people that could have and should have but didn't, you got to ask yourself, what happened there? What happened right there? So how do I know if I have 
a different spirit because that's what you're trying to find out right now. Like when I was writing this message, I, I tried to put myself in the seat. Like if I was hearing this message, I would be like, ooh, mm, I got to make sure I got a different spirit and not just one of them cycle spirits. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh-uh, no, I ain't missing out. I'm not going to miss out. So how do I know? First John chapter four, verse one, it says, dear friends, do not believe every spirit. Now, some of you, this might be a little deep. So put your floaties on. I promise you, we're not going to scare you, but we're going to get spiritual today. Okay. I know you're a practical man. I know, I know, but you got courage. So come with us. All right. He says, dear friends, do not believe every spirit. Watch this, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, let me teach you something about being spiritual for a moment without getting weird. Can somebody say amen? Look at your neighbor say, don't get weird on me. <laughs> Look at your other neighbor say, too late. <laughs> Ask him, did you call me weird? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One thing... One thing about a spirit, I know, just hang with me. Halloween's coming up anyway. You can handle this. Some, some messed up stuff with that, y'all. Behave yourselves. One thing about any kind of spirit, it has an effect on what's being spoken. You see how it says, test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. A prophet is someone that speaks something, not just to, but into people's lives. We see in Acts chapter 2 that the Holy Spirit affects our speech, because he says, Jesus told us, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will prophesy. Speak something on behalf of God. Let's not go so far into Nostradamus and all that stuff, okay? A prophet from the Lord, though, speaks on God's behalf what is inspired by the Holy Spirit, okay? This is how it works. An evil spirit or another spirit is also going to affect what is being spoken. In fact, I'll take it a step further. Not only does it affect what is spoken, it also affects how it is heard, Okay, I'll show you. Um, you've seen the little kids where you say, hey, you can't do that to little Johnny. Go apologize to little Johnny. Little Johnny, I'm sorry. <laughs> Said the right thing. Wrong spirit. Possibly. We can be saying some of the right things with the wrong spirit, possibly. We could be doing some of the right things with the wrong spirit. Yeah. I know, for some of you, this is like, this is deeper than I don't want to go, Pastor Way. Just hang out by the pool, okay? Just hang out by the pool. The Holy Spirit always reminds you of what God says. Yeah. Always. In fact, that is one of the primary jobs of the Holy Spirit is to remind you of what God says in his word, remind you of what Jesus says, what he is speaking. That is the main role of the Holy Spirit. A, another spirit, not a different spirit, don't confuse it, an other spirit. You can call it an evil spirit. You can call it a demonic spirit, whatever you want to call it. It will confuse you. 
It will condemn you. It will remind you of your past and will make you greatly fearful of your future. And it will always make you feel threatened. And right now, as you're hearing this, I know if I was sitting in my seat right now, I'm like checking myself. Okay, let me think. Do I feel confused right now? Do I feel condemned? Oh, God. Oh, God. Do I got some kind of spirit in me? Oh, Lord, Jesus. I know. Because I would think all that too. And it's not so much that a spirit can get in you. And I know all the first time people are like, oh, what kind of church is this? <laughs> Let me get out of here. Get a little uncomfortable in here. Just hang with me a little bit, okay? You remember in biology class, you learned a bunch of stuff and you felt like you needed to get out. But you made it through. Just hang tight. Somebody asked me one time, let's just go there. Somebody asked me one time, can a Christian be demon-possessed? Because you want to know. I know you do. I feel it. I feel like you're asking me that. Well, not if you're possessed by the Lord. But it doesn't mean that you can't possess a spirit. See, sometimes we hold on to some things that we need to let go of. We hold on to some traditions or it's underneath, it's filed underneath tradition, but really it's spiritually inspired behavior. And it's not from the Spirit of God and we hold on to it and in some cases it literally becomes our identity. That's just how we are. We all got tempers. And the Lord isn't powerful enough to change that temper. No, because all the Morans are like that. They all have tempers. Like, like, we don't hear what we're saying. That's what I'm trying to tell you. We don't realize what we're saying sometime and the spiritual significance of it because we are so practical and that's not really, that's not going to affect you. It's not really that bad. And we see what happens all the way in Genesis, like chapter three, whenever they rolled with, that's not really that bad what happened. It wrecked mankind. Amen. And we're still feeling the effects of their sin all these years later. Are, are, are you tracking with me today? And so we've got to give some attention towards the Spirit. So you remember when we started the series, how we said we want different because normal isn't working? Can I tell you that there's a lot of other spirit normalcy going on in our lives that we have just tolerated? And it becomes functional for us. And, and, and it even slides into, well, if you're going to operate in this world, this is just how you've got to be. Well, I've got to remind you that because of Jesus and because of what he's, what he's done for us on the cross, he's called us to come out of the world to be separate and to be different. And it's like this. If we feel like we've got to rely on the world's ways to do this while we still got God, really what we're saying is, God, your ways don't work always. It only works in certain ways. On Sundays and then Wednesday night. And then at the small group, you know, the e-group and the new essentials class, it'll work there, but not at my office on Monday because you don't know the people there. Like the Lord's not trying to save them. Come on. Okay. So I started thinking about some of this normal stuff that's operating in our lives. And I thought about fear. Did you know that fear is a spirit? I'll show you. For God did not give us a spirit of Fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I mean, it's perfectly clear. It's a spirit of fear. And a spirit of fear makes you always feel threatened or endangered or intimidated. Yeah. 
always. Not just that one time when you were on that ride at Disney and it was dark and you didn't know what was going to happen. I'm talking about this is like always. 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 Oh, you can't be careful enough. Is that the cover for I'm scared? And, and that's fine whenever we're talking about a carnival ride. But what about when it's this job opportunity that you really, really, really want to go for, but you're so, so fearful that you're not good enough, so fearful that you can't do it? Can you see how a spirit of fear will literally hold you hostage? And if we, listen, and if we use this kind of stuff on ourselves, we're going to use it on others around us. And we're going to try to make sure they feel the same way we feel about the things that we're fearful of so they can feel, feel, feel fearful of it too, also that we got some company. Oh, I don't want to hold you back, but I need you to stay here with me because I'm scared. Spirit of fear that just has become normal. And we just accept it. Like, think of this. What, what's going on with this that we just like, hey, that's fine. Jesus sets the captives free. But I'm scared. It didn't work on me. Yes, it does. It's a spiritual problem. Uh, here's another one. Um, uh, pride. Pride, where, oh, let's just say it, always stubborn, unyielding, unsubmissive, problems with authority. It's a prideful spirit. And we're wondering, I can't move up in the company. I, I don't know why. I'm better than everybody here. Perhaps it's a spiritual issue. God gives grace to the humble. And humility isn't just, oh, let me hurry up and get, get humble before the Lord so I can pray and ask him for what he has for me. Humility is how we walk. It's how we live. And I wonder, are we just operating normally with a prideful spirit where we may think we're better than people or, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't need that. Chances are, whatever you said I don't need when it comes to the things of God, that's probably the thing you need the most. Amen? Always offend it. An offended spirit. Continually hurt by people. Continually, over and over, any setting. Get offended. And offense is all over the world right now. I don't know if y'all have seen that in the last three, four years. It is all over. In fact, it is so cool to be offended. It is like... Oh, if you're offended, you have rights and all of this stuff. We have no clue the rights that we sacrifice and surrender and give up by allowing ourselves to be offended and stay offended. Seriously. And this is in this story, when you look at it, there was an offense that was keeping them from going further. And I wish I would have brought a fence up here today because no matter how you do it, that's as far as you go. It's like putting yourself in prison and saying it's your fault. Continually hurt, can't let it go. And y'all know what I'm talking about. It's in families, man. Been having great, I hadn't talked to them in 23 years. I don't want to see their face. And the holidays are coming, and every year, Thanksgiving, you're making decisions out of that. Christmas, we are making, am I telling the truth? I ain't going there. No. Why are you not going? Because Uncle Joe's going to be there. I don't want to see Uncle Joe. Last time I talked to Uncle Joe, Y'all see what I'm talking about? It's controlling. 
it's telling us what to say and what not to say. What about an unclean spirit? Because I know that's, that's not for you here, okay? That's for the people out there. But let's just talk about it just to make sure we talk about it. Unclean spirit. This is like where there's this continual impure and immoral ideas and tendencies. Continual. Over and over. Like if you live in a state of always wanting to punch somebody. I'm not joking. I'm being really serious. Because there are those people that always live in a state of I just want to. Always, always. There's a spirit that is operating right there. And sooner or later, you won't be able to control it, and you will do it. You say, how do you know that? Because I've seen people do it. That's how I know. What about a divisive spirit? Continual conflict with others. Continual. I'm talking about everyone. Everyone. Always drama with the friends. Drama with the family. Drama with the church people. Drama with the new people that you work with. Drama with the new coworker. Drama with the old coworker. Just drama, conflict, always over and over and over. Think about it. Divisive. And we try to cover it by intimidating people and manipulating and issues with authority. Like we can we can go down the list, y'all. Oh, one of the ones that's mentioned in the Bible is the spirit of this world. The spirit of this world. This is where we're so caught up in our appearance, like big time caught up in appearance and how we appear to others and, and filtering so many decisions of our lives and so many plans of our lives through what other people may think. And this one is huge. And this one affects us more than what we're willing to admit. I don't wear that because I'm, I'm thinking that that one lady at church, she saw me wearing this. She's probably going to think this because she's always looked like she's got it together and everything, so I'm not going to wear that. And then we have a daughter, and she learns the same thing. And it becomes generational. And we just think, oh, that's just how girls are. They're insecure. We're getting it somewhere, y'all. We're getting it somewhere. We're learning this stuff somewhere. And we're just acting like it's normal, that this is just the normal thing. And I don't know about you, but I want something different. I don't want to keep fighting with offense. I don't want to keep fighting with all of these different things. I want to walk in freedom and walk right into what God has for me. And really what God was trying to tell him here is, hey, I want to take you there. But if you're going to go there, you can't bring all of this with you. And the whole point of the wilderness was to help strip that stuff off of us. But so many of us, instead of letting it be stripped off, we want to stand in it. We want to stay in it. And it always leads you back. It leads you right back to where you started. And what does the Bible tell us? When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes around looking for a place, looking for a place to land. It will come back. And if there's not something in there, it will come back seven times greater than before. And we just act like the Bible just tells us cute stories and good principles. There's a spiritual side to the Bible that we've got to look at and consider. And instead of being wigged out and freaked out by spiritual things, just ask ourselves, what if God's trying to tell us something? What if God's trying to help me to see that my problem ain't him? It's me. And my problem ain't them. Something jacked up in my spirit. And I've just become so accustomed to it. And I roll with it. Let 
Remember in Psalms 51 when David sinned with Bathsheba, committed adultery, had her husband killed? You remember that story? In his prayer of repentance, you know what he asked the Lord to do? Creating me a clean heart, and watch this, and renew a what? A right spirit in me. I wonder if this guy had some revelation that we need. Uh, Remember in Matthew 5 when Jesus was talking about offering your worship? And he says, if you have something against someone, go and make it right before you offer your gift of worship. And why would Jesus say that? Because according to John chapter 4, verse 24, Jesus tells us that we are to worship how? In spirit and in truth. To worship in spirit and in truth. It's kind of like all signs are pointing to something in our spirit has to be renewed. Something in our spirit has to be made right. Acts chapter 16, there's a woman who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. This is what she had. She had a spirit in her that enabled her to tell the future. And so she followed Paul and these other disciples around. And she's like, hey, everybody, follow them. They are messengers of the most high God. And they know the way. They know the way. And what does it say in Acts 16? That that Paul was exasperated by the woman and turned around and cast the evil spirit out of the woman. What? She was like a walking billboard for you, Paul. She's trying to help people to see these guys, servants of the most high God. She was saying the right things, but she had the wrong spirit, y'all. So let's bring it here. If we're going to live differently, number one, we must live with spiritual discernment. Spiritual discernment. Pastor Andre said this one Sunday we were speaking. He said, check yourself before you wreck yourself. And I know most of the time we use discernment, we use it on other people. And I think you should discern things, situations, and people, all of that stuff. But don't forget to discern your own spirit. Because I promise you, there's somebody that the Lord's bringing around you that's going to try to help bring some of that discernment to you. We read earlier in 1 John 4, 1, it says, test the spirits. I was having some discernment. Not just to read people, y'all, but to see ourselves through his lens. You ever was scrolling through pictures like you were at this event and there were people taking pictures and you made it in the picture? And you're looking at yourself on the social media page and you're like, ooh, that's not a good picture of me. Oh, the young girls at camp, whenever we're taking pictures during games and everything, you take the picture, they come up, you're not going to post that, are you? I'm like, well, I'm just trying to let your parents know you're still alive. <laughs> you can't post that picture. Why? Because I don't, I, don't, I don't like that. I don't like that. The biggest thing that spiritual discernment should teach us is this. It's our need for God's spirit in our lives. That's the biggest thing that the this discernment can help us to see, God, I need your spirit in our lives. And can I just give you just some good wisdom? Be aware that there are some ungodly influences that can impact your life. Like if you have a spirit of fear, like if you're fearful of everything, why are you going to go watch scary movies? Go ahead and feed it. I, I mean, it's Halloween. Why not just blow the thing up? You know what I'm saying? Because these normalcies that we're operating with, what if it's compounding 
things in our lives that's like, maybe the reason I can't go is because I'm carrying all the weight of all of these things that the Lord says he's setting me free from, but I want to bring it with me. If you're always scared, always getting offended, always stressed, never joyful, we've got to discern that something must not be right in our spirit. If this is the, the, the cycle, if this is the usual, something's not right in our spirit. Always judgmental. I'm not saying you got a demon. Don't, don't run out of here and say, preacher said everybody got a demon. That ain't what I'm saying. I'm just saying something in our spirit, something is affecting our spirit. We need some discernment. Here's the second thing. We got to live with spiritual devotion. Spiritual devotion. You know, a lot more people are committed to a church than they are to the Lord who's building his church. And so a lot of times they can't get past the church or they're committed to a person more than they are committed to the Lord. Our devotion ultimately has to be, God, I'm devoted to your word. Not just the little mom's group I'm in, that one lady that said that thing that time that I thought that was real good. I, I hear you, but I ultimately I'm devoted to the Lord. Amen? Not that article that I found. You don't know who these people are, and we just, we just believe them, man. Like, they know everything. We read a book and just think, oh, that's so good. Never thought about checking their life out. You know what I'm saying? Never thought about checking them out to see, like, how can you talk about marriage like that? They've been through eight of them. And so they deem themselves as an expert. I don't need an expert on how not to work. I need an expert on how it will work. Amen? Like, seriously. Devoted to the Lord. Devoted to his word. Like, really devoted to his word. Like, Lord, we follow your word. We believe it. We build our lives on it. Like, your word is the lamp to our feet and the light to our path. Your word is the foundation that we're building our life on. Your word is the foundation that we're building our family with. And even though the world has all its ways, God, your word, your word prevails. God's way of doing it. I'm going to do it God's way. I'm devoted to your word, God. I'm devoted to your way, and I'm devoted to your will. And this is what was happening in this story. They loved the deliverance that God had given them, but they were not devoted to God's word. They were not devoted to God's will, and they were definitely not devoted to God's way. They were not. And so they said, we will find our own way. I will find my own way to do it. And that, my friends, is what rebellion is. Like, I remember as youth pastors, they used to talk about all the young people with rebellion. All oh, this generation is nothing but a bunch of rebels, just full of rebellion. And then I started doing a ministry with adults. And it's like, their mom and dads are too. They just found a way to make it look pretty. Well, the Lord said you should pray. Oh, you don't have to do that all the time. Really? Bro, who do you think you are? Am I right? Like, like these are the little subtle ways, though, y'all, that we don't think are a big deal. But if that becomes the pattern, next thing, you're, next thing you know, your son is saying the same thing. You don't have to go to church all the time, so you go in consistently. Well, then your kids grow up, and they start having a family, and mom and dad's having dinner wanting to know, why y'all don't go to church a whole lot? Oh, you don't have to go to church all the time, mom and dad, to be a Christian. And now mom and dad are going to the intercessory prayer service to pray for their son and daughter to be committed to church because they see marriage problems on the rise. 
And I don't know if you want me talking like this or not, but y'all, I'm so tired of the normal cycles of this version of Christianity that feels so good, but gets us nowhere. Gets us nowhere. And while we're dancing around with the prettiness of religion, we're missing out on the reality of God, holding on to our traditions, holding on to the way that we like it, where it's like, God, I like this, but at the same time, I like everything that you have. And there has to be a separation from it. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He sets us free. Sets us free. And when he sets us free, there has to be a devotion and a determination that, God, I'm following you no matter what it feels like. I'm going to forgive them even if I don't like them. God, I'm going to continue to worship even when I'm angry. I'm going to continue to do it because I'm devoted to you. I'm devoted to you. Even when they're telling me everybody's doing it, God, I'm going to do what you said to do because I'm devoted. I'm devoted. I'm devoted. You can't shake me. You can't pull me off. I'm getting to my promised land. And that's got to be the attitude. I'm getting to, I've come through too much stuff to say, let's go back and suffer some more the way it used to be. Am I talking to anybody in here? Am I talking to anybody who's like, I'm tired of the cycles. I'm tired of the attitudes waking up every day and somebody cuts me off in traffic and there goes my day. It doesn't have to be the end of your day. That little 15 second episode should not have enough power to affect the next 15 hours of your life you've got a better spirit in you and it's the holy spirit of god that even though they cut you off you don't have to flip them off you can raise them up to the lord in prayer come on somebody and don't act like you ain't never tried it telling people you're number one with your middle finger come on you got a different spirit you got the holy spirit i'm fired up about this so let me finish because it's time Cynthia said, please. <laughs> Proverbs 16, 2 says this. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth his spirit. See, the sin problem that you have, this is what God's saying. I can take care of that. can take care of that but the spirit problem you got to do something with that I'll go back to what David prayed creating me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me renew a right spirit in me I was trying to figure out how to close this for ministry purposes And the ambition and the adrenaline side is like, bring them all up. Lay hands on them and pray a prayer of deliverance. Come on, let's get it going. I just felt like the Lord said, no. It's for them to get down on their knees and pray a prayer of submission. Not my will but yours be done. When I look at Caleb, who had a different spirit, that's how he rolled. I don't like being in the wilderness, but if it's on the way to the promised land, 
I know we got to go through it. And I'm not going to abandon God's plan because I don't like it right now. I'm going to stick with it. It's a different kind of spirit, y'all. I feel like in the world today, there's a spirit of leaving. If I don't like it, I'll leave it. At home, at work, at church, anywhere. I don't like it, I'll leave it. It's got to be different for us. It's got to be different for us. Or else that same spirit that's affecting you you read the verse earlier. I know, I know we tried to skirt around it. Tried to stay away from it because we love the slow to anger, rich in love and mercy part. But that part where it said to the third and the fourth generation, the disobedience, the effects of it goes down to the third and the fourth generation. And everybody thinks that's generational curses and there's a part in that for that. But there's also generational practices too. It gets passed down, passed down. And it's one thing for you to struggle, but listen to me. It's another thing when you see somebody struggling that you raised in your own house, struggling with the same thing that you struggled with. It's a whole nother thing. Because now you know a whole nother generation got to fight the same thing that I've been fighting. So I'm going to open up the altar. I'm going to pray and dismiss. You do what you feel like you need to do, but I'm going to open up the altar. And perhaps you need to pray that prayer, God, renew a right spirit in me. And not because the preacher put together this really cool plan of how to do this, but because you know, you know that what you've been struggling with for so long, it ain't just a bad habit. It's It's spiritual, man. It's spiritual. So, Lord, as I pray, you can begin to come. Lord, today in this place, your word says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And, Father, we don't want freedom just to be our chant. We don't want it just to be our songs. We don't want it just to be messages that we preach. But we want it to be the reality of how we live. We want to walk in freedom. We want to walk in our promised land. Your word says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And Father, today we acknowledge that we need your spirit. I need your spirit, Lord. I need your spirit, Lord, to overpower the attitudes, to overpower the cycles, to overpower the tendencies, the temper, the anxiety, the stress that has just become our flow. God, we need your spirit to set us free. Today, God, will you renew a right spirit in us? A right spirit. A right spirit. So that we can advance, so that we can move into the promised land. A right spirit. Come on, there's people in here today. You you got some grudges against parents. You got it. You're gonna have to let go. I know you can justify it with every story that you tell. But you're only holding yourself hostage by saying, I'll never forgive them. You've got a family member that you just, I know we're doing some ministry time right now, but this is the time for the Lord to minister to you. You want to go into the promised land, the Lord's saying, I want to bring you there, but you can't bring that. You can't bring that. It's not a promise if you bring that anymore. It's just a change of scenery. 
the same stuff. Father, create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit in us, I pray. Renew a right spirit in us today, in Jesus' name.